0: Hey, babe, we got any change? Yeah, we do. I think we're going to need it for this one. If the Bible's got you
1: tied and fucking nuts, if you're burning with shitty religious thoughts, grab your weed and join the choir.
0: It's the fucking heretic happy hour. You're my boy, Matt. <laughs>
2: Oh, man. man. This is so great. I'm telling you, that was awesome. Uh, Thank you, James, for sending that in. That was so killer. And um, I'm assuming that was your wife or maybe your daughter, I'm not sure, singing with you there. Uh, Yeah, this is great. And by the way, this is the second time we featured um, someone doing a a new theme song for us. So if you uh, are musical and creative and want to do that, please send them in to us. But welcome to the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. I am uh, one of your co-hosts. My name is Keith Giles. I am the author of Jesus Untangled crucifying our politics to pledge allegiance to the Lamb. And I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, uh, Matt and Jamal. You guys, say hi.
1: Hi, guys. This is Jamal Javanji. It's a pleasure to be back on the Heretic Happy Hour with you guys.
0: And this is Matt DiStefano. Uh, I'm so excited to be here, so excited to talk about the topic that we have coming up for you. Uh, but before we get into all of that, just want to mention a word from our sponsor, As always, it's the Unfundamentalist Group blog, and they are focused on following Jesus' commandments to love God and neighbor, and they are dedicated to opposing the toxic, power-mongering, fear-inflaming nonsense, can I say bullshit, bullshit that is inherent in economic, (laughs) political, societal, and religious fundamentalism. Find them online at facebook.com forward slash unfundamentalist or read their blog at
1: unfundamentalists.com. Yeah and uh that's fantastic Matt you're doing better and better at at reading that uh I'm I'm getting I'm getting pretty good. You're
2: ad libbing now. You know, you're, yeah yeah.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah and um yeah I just had a – can I, can I make an announcement? Please. Um as as always. Yeah. Well I, I wanted to let the listeners know uh that we have a we have we actually have a hotline oh. for the Heritage Capital. Yeah it's just you know something that people can something we just, new we every just episode. Have this, Great. So I mean, yeah. yeah, it's like a, just an idea we had that allows the listeners to interact with us, maybe share some comments or questions or disagreements or whatever. And we just felt like, wow, this would be a great idea to introduce this to our listeners. So, uh, brand new this week, we would like to roll this out. Um, <laughs> the hotline, the number is two uh, four zero three heresy, um, or um, it's two four zero three four three seven three seven, nine. And, uh, we, we can receive text messages, um, as well to this hotline. We can. Yeah. It's like this technology is advancing every day. So like we can, um, we we can get texts. I know it's crazy. Um, (laughs) what's next, what's going to be next. You know? So we have, we have text messages that can come in. We also have voicemails and we have, we've been getting a lot of love on the, on the hotline, which is to me, a miracle, um, just because I'm just surprised anybody knows about it. So, right. um, but yeah, we've been getting a lot of love recently on the on the Heretic uh, Happy Hour hotline. So uh, a text came in. Can we cue up that text? Awesome. Awesome. Here we go. Quote, we just listened to the Heretic Happy Hour episode 16 with Bart Ehrman. Thanks so much for providing a space where an authentic other can speak in a non-confrontational setting. And thanks for modeling that ethos amongst yourselves in your discussion that followed how refreshing to be able to get information rather than indoctrination we listen mm. We listen to these mm. heretic Happy r podcast over and over. thanks for the wide range of heretics you allow us to come to know and that's unquote and that's that's from a listener um really really appreciated that that was super encouraging um really we, we yeah our goal is not well. I would say your guys' goal is not to indoctrinate. I mean, sometimes I have that agenda, but, <laughs> you know, but obviously, you know, um, I'm. Well, yeah. When it comes to Mary Magdalene. Of course. <laughs> hey, by the way, Mary Magdalene. Did you guys know there's a movie coming out about Mary Magdalene? Like, can you, is that incredible? Like the timing of all That's that? Like, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's are, you coming,
2: that, are you in that movie? Um,
1: You're not in that? I, I actually wrote and directed it, but. Um, uh huh i'm just kidding but
2: you're camping know. out you're camping out right <laughs> right now you're recording from the line oh yeah. in front of the theater <laughs> got,
1: i got a, I i got a time but i do think it i do think it is coming out at the end of the month by the way but that's that's neither here nor there um and okay so we have a couple of voicemails uh to mm-hmm. the to the hotline can we queue up voicemail number one
0: hey guys uh this is steve i'm uh from ohio uh, yeah. generally i would have considered myself a conservative. Um, but you guys have really stretched my mind. I mean, and to think that it's coming from a hippie and a pothead on top of that, I think is really freaking awesome. I don't um necessarily agree with a hundred percent of everything you guys say, but you guys are really stretching my mind and in a good way. Um my I have really had to change a lot of ideas on what I thought was right and wrong and all that kind of stuff. Um and I know that's not even necessarily what it's about. But hey, you guys are doing good shit, and um I'm really surprised at uh the things you guys are bringing out um and it's uh really my type of um podcast that I like to listen to, so thanks a lot guys
1: wow, super cool, super cool, and man, yeah, Buckeyes from Ohio, Buckeye's taking That's over cute. the world. I really love that um yeah i'm um i I know that when he says he doesn't agree with everything he's probably talking about you guys <laughs> um you know yeah, he doesn't yeah. But that's, it's probably, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I appreciate, the, I appreciate nice, that. I appreciate that. you know, we, we do appreciate the comment from, from the caller and, um, and so let's cue. We have another one coming in. So let's uh, cue up voicemail number two. Hey, one of my friends turned me on your show and I really, really like it. Um, but I was just wondering what's the phone number for the hotline? Keep doing good work. <laughs> that's a good wow. question. See what I'm talking about, guys. <laughs> this is my point. This is my point. Yeah, and it's a miracle are, that he found yeah, that he actually don't left know. that voicemail <laughs> on the hotline.
2: I know. Well, I'm glad he did.
0: Because, yeah. <laughs> so he called it, left the voicemail, and then asked for the number. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> no. Well, OK, um, just we really don't want to just disregard anybody's comment. And just read, you know, so I would just like to like honor this caller and just say, OK, thank you for calling. Thank you for that question. That's a question that many of us mm-hmm. have. Well, let me just let me answer that question again here. The number to the Heritage Happy Hour hotline. Are, are you guys ready? Yeah, I got my pen. Uh, get, your yeah, get your chalk out. OK, it's it, here it is. It's two four zero. 7379. So two four zero three four three seven three seven
2: nine, or two four two four zero three heresy. Yeah, awesome! <laughs> wow, you know what? That was a lot of fun. I, <laughs> I think it's one my my favorite uh, episode of the uh, the hotline we've ever done. That was awesome. But it's time now for yet another awesome part of the podcast, and that is the heretic of the week.
0: It's the heretic
1: of the week.
0: Hi, I'm Matthew and I'm a heretic.
2: Hi. Um, Matt. Yeah.
0: Hey guys, <laughs> thanks for having me on.
2: <laughs> well, welcome to the yeah. program. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. Um, it's, it's an honor to have you here on the show. And, uh, just cause you, 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 may not know typically what we do when people are, when we have our heretics of the week on the program, we like to ask them, uh, kind of an opening question, which is, um, why is it that people consider you a heretic, Matt?
0: Oh my goodness. Uh how many reasons do I have to give? Um <laughs> uh well I, we,
2: we have a lot we have all day. We
0: have all- <laughs> we got nothing going on. All right, give me a couple we have,
2: hours. We have an hour. <laughs> we have
0: an hour. Um well there's there's I guess there's a lot of reasons. Um I I as I've said on the show, I'm I'm pretty convinced of universal reconciliation or, or universalism. Heresy. And I'm just going to wait for the heresy button right there because even the mention of universalism generally gets the charge of heresy. Yeah. Um, but uh, so that, that's one reason I, I do affirm the LGBTQ community and believe that we should definitely open, open up our arms and embrace, embrace those folks into the church at large. Um, the way I the way I approach the Bible has has gotten charged with heresy. Um, I don't believe it's inerrant. Uh, you know, I don't believe everything that's said in the Bible is an accurate depiction of who God actually is. Um, but a big one is, uh, as we talked about even before this show started, before we had this podcast, when we did that thing on penal substitution atonement, um that mm-hmm. that definitely that definitely gets charges of heresy a lot because you know like we interviewed brad jerzak he mentioned the same thing Uh a lot of people conflate their atonement theory with the gospel uh, and because yeah. i don't i don't affirm that uh the cross uh <laughs> turned god away from punishing the the shit out of us because he did it to jesus i don't think I don't think that's a an accurate view of the cross. That's that's led to some charges of heresy. <laughs> uh so that those are probably the main ones. Uh but there's probably some others. Yeah. But uh, I think that gives us enough enough uh enough reasons <laughs> to call me a heretic. But the but the funny thing is is I d I don't necessarily think in historically speaking that I am. Because, you know, I read the early creeds and I, I really don't have too much of a problem with them. I I like the apostles creed. I like uh, the Nicene creed. And, and I think those are fine. And, um, so if, if that's our, if that's our, uh, the basis of what we're going to call heretical doctrines, I I don't know. I don't really understand why I'm a heretic. And and if that's our, if that's our, uh, you know, how we're using, what we're using to define the word And, and if, and if the word, is to mean like that a, a brother or sister in the faith who's divisive. I, I don't think my views um, cause division because, well, I mean, they do, they can cause division, but um, I'm not being divisive because I I'm not certain about my beliefs. I, I, I'm convinced, but I'm not certain. And it's cool if you disagree. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to kick you out of the off, out of the table, out of the meal, so to speak. You know, I'm not going to kick you out of my quote unquote church yeah. if I had one. Um, and it's, it's totally cool if you disagree with me and, and, and like we talk about all the time, like us, the three of us don't agree all the time. We come, we come and sit around the, the, the proverbial table and have a conversation. And so I'm not really sure why I'm actually a heretic in terms of the, if, if we're thinking about
1: the actual use of the word. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, Matt, um, it's been, I've had, um, the pleasure of interviewing you on my personal podcast, The Love Cast, a couple of times. And we just had an episode the other day. It's cool to hear some of your background, you know, um, just background of your life and your story. Um, but for just for our conversation here on the to Capiar, um, Mike, I guess a question I would have for you is: do you remember the first time that you like became conscious of like Feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm, I've just crossed a line here, and you were okay with that because one of the things I think I'm—I tr- was thinking about you, and I was like, what is it that people? Why do people react to you? You know, because we all get reactions just because of the work that we do. <clears throat> Sometimes, you know, from the religious sure. community, we get reactions. But I was thinking about like one of the reasons I feel like, and I could be wrong here, but that people like uh, are challenged by you is because, um, like you're very open about. Like you, you give voice to things that, um, that maybe people maybe wouldn't know how to give voice to, or they may be afraid to give voice to Like you're very clear, you communicate very clear and confidently about like the process your study. You're not like, you know, I mean, you do, you do, do the research, you do the work, you've studied those kinds of things. And I think that can be unnerving to a lot of, uh, indoctrinated religious people, because again, those folks, a lot of those folks, and I know cause I, I came out of that camp, are told certain things that give them a sense of certainty. Um, but they don't, they haven't really done the work themselves mm. to like really look into it because that's a scary place to go because that mean they may mean, you know, something that may mean what they're told isn't, isn't legit, but I feel like you've done that work and it can unnerve. But do you remember the first time that you gave voice to that? Like, like that's this may, this, this stuff I've like received in in evangelical Christianity is, is, I really am starting to question that. Do you remember what that was like for you?
0: well, yeah, if I'm interpreting your question correctly, I I, uh, I would say that the first time I, I came across something where I really gravitated towards, I was like, yes, that seems like a legit question. Um, the uh, philosopher Thomas Talbot posed this question that if if we just look at the Bible on the surface, there are passages that seem to suggest God wants to save all people. There are passages that seem to suggest that God has the power to save all people. And there are passages that seem to suggest some people are lost. And and he points out in this triad, as it's known that all three can't be true. Um, If God, if God has the power to save and desires to save all, then he will. Um, Or, you know, so, so if, if some people are going to be lost, then either God cannot save all people or he doesn't desire to. Um, So yeah, I remember coming across that and really having no answer because he, and this isn't a way to go about and piecemeal the Bible and just pick things. But I think what he wants us to get us to do is think about these things that, yes, on the surface, if we're just taking a, a, a like a, a surface reading of the texts, all those things are there and we kind of have to pick one. Either God doesn't really desire to save everyone or God is powerless to, to save everyone, even though he desires it. Um, or all people are redeemed and reconciled. And I remember posing this to a, a senior pastor of mine. And his response was a, a a text from Titus that basically said I was self-condemned Ugh. for asking these these types of questions. And I was just like, wow, I'm condemned because this resonates with me? Mm-hmm. Or this line of thinking resonates with me and and I'm condemned, I guess, to hell for for posing that question. That's the way I interpreted it. And so I, I I was really excited about it because I was like, well, maybe, maybe the Bible does argue that all will be saved. Um, you know? And that's good news to me. And and it really resonated in my heart, but then to immediately just come up, not not that, oh, you're just misreading it or well, you're just misinterpreting it, but you're really, you're literally condemned for asking this. I was just like, Holy shit. Like this, this might, this is going to be a little, this is going to be pretty rough and things might get a little rocky. And that was just like, I've just got to, you know, start digging in myself and, and find what, what rings true to me. And, um,
1: yeah, that that's really interesting. That's really interesting. So you're saying there's a passage in Titus that was used against you. Did somebody use that against you to say, uh, by you even answering asking these questions, you're doomed? Um, was that was that a passage someone like presented to you, or is that something you read on your own, or what was that?
0: No, it, no, I I was really just um, in an email I was sent, and I and I think it's either Titus two or three. I can't remember, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, his point was basically that yeah for, for those who ask these kind of questions and i guess he probably deemed it as a divisive question and therefore heretical <laughs> mm. um that that yeah i was i was doomed for even daring to suggest such a yeah. thing yeah um, yeah, yeah you know, that was really that was really striking to me
2: wow yeah but see i think you know so i i've had very similar uh, reactions as well from friends who are pastors as well for asking those kind of questions. And so when the response is something where they push back with either a threat, uh, or they want to put fear in your heart, right. Or have some kind of threat against you that you, how dare you question this? How dare you ask this question? You're, you know, you're going down this bad path. Like, um, so you do understand, I mean, this is what I've, I- I've started to notice. I'm going to ask you what you think about this. Cause, um, I mean, do, but you can't put yourself in the mind or in the position of that pastor, right? And see why those questions are a threat to him. I mean, do you understand why they're a threat to him and and uh, why they react that way?
0: Yeah, I, I do understand. I, I get that um, when those questions are presented to us, like our, our whole paradigm can sort of come down. Like, you know, if if we're... If 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 in our mind we're preaching the gospel to save people from eternal torment, and someone comes up to us and says, "Well, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to be yeah," it's
2: just like, yeah, there's but there, if someone says there's no eternal torment, now what?
0: Right now, what? Now now you've basically undercut my whole ministry, my whole my job, um, my uh, the church that I'm leading. Um, I, I I get it. Um, I just I just I I, I don't have any any um, desire. To do any of that, I'm just asking honest questions that are in my heart. But yeah, to the point of your question, of course, I understand where they're coming from. I just wish it weren't so. Yeah, um, I, I wish we didn't have to have that visceral response. Where uh, and this will probably be something we talk about in the podcast with the, with the topic that we have. But uh, when we're when we're just so damn certain about something, and and someone comes to challenge that, it's like when we base when we base our faith on certainty. Uh, I think we have some problems because the minute we're not certain about something, then it seems like our whole, f- our whole faith paradigm comes down. And uh, yeah, so I, I would look at that pastor and think like, well, yeah, he probably is very certain about his beliefs. So yeah, that, that, <laughs> I just think we set ourselves up for failure, yeah. you know?
2: Well, I, and here's the thing too, is that I, I, yeah. I know some of these people too, cause they, I know they listen to our podcast, uh, cause I've talked to some of them, but um, it's even more challenging when you are the pastor of the church and you yourself are having right. these questions and then you now you're left with what do i do about it right because i know there's some guys like that and like i said some of them listen to our podcast and they're stuck right mm. so what do they do
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah and i and i just had coffee with one who is like i don't know how, how much longer you could do this because it's like it's almost dishonest because i have all these questions and i don't line up with uh how the board wants me to preach yep. or what they want me to believe and think. And, and, and I don't believe that anymore. So what am I supposed to do? Because at the end of the day, the bills st- keep coming, the mortgage has to <laughs> be paid. And, yeah. and, and so I get that. I mean, I mean, and that's not to, that's not to say someone's dishonest. That's just the reality of life. Like if, if I walk away from something that pays my bills, well, what the hell
1: am I going to do now? Right. Yeah. Well, Matt, <clears throat> Matt, I, I mean, I would say, yeah, I, I think, the more, the longer I go down this road and the more that I look back even on my own life within evangelical Christianity or I look at the system of, for the most part, the Christian world, it's so dishonest. Because if you have to appeal to fear to keep people from asking questions, um, the very fact that you had a question is not being addressed. It's like, well, what is that drive? You know? And if you have to demonize the motivation behind it, that's completely dishonest. And so it does – these pastors and a lot of folks – who are conflicted they're in churches they're sitting each sunday they're listening to these sermons they know that you know behind the scenes like um a lot of even though the sometimes the messages may sound good what's coming behind it is literally an appeal to fear hey you could be on the outside you may lose your salvation you may end up perishing people you love may you know be lost forever if you don't proclaim this message you know that isn't it that is That's very, it's an effective, but at the end of the day, when people are conflicted with that, when they actually start to question that, and then they have to like drown out those questions to just keep the appearance to me, that is the epitome of dishonesty. And I don't think maybe it's not conscious on their part, but it's, it's clearly not honest Um, because if they were honest, they could just share what they were, the questions they had. But for you, you had to like literally take a passage of scripture that was presented to you and you had to like, which I applaud you for it. I really, my hat goes off to you. The fact that you had to say, you know what? I'm I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to ignore that passage. Um, and I'm going to push through. I don't know if you would clarify Like, well, I'm just ignoring this passage, but I would ignore it. I mean, I think that passage, uh, in Titus is, you know, uh, it's, it's used to keep people from asking questions so that, you know, it's, 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 mm-hmm for you to like move forward in your deconstruction process, you had to literally overlook that. And I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with that. So I applaud you for that courage because it takes real courage to do that. But for you, what was your deconstruction process like for you? Like what was that when you started to deconstruct and push beyond that? What, how did that How that affect you? Uh, it, was, it was really, really
0: difficult. Um, I, I had a really big problem with the depictions of a violent God. And I looked around the world and I was like, man human beings are so we could be so shitty we don't need that god um and so it was like well maybe there isn't a god because if god if this thing we call god is a reality and it's and god is just like us he's retributive he's violent he's sacrificial he's uh um all those uh, are <laughs> full mm-hmm. of malice which which some people's theology ma- makes it seem to believe that you know if, if that's true then god is full of malice and anger and hate well mate, forget the whole thing like i i don't need i don't need that god and uh, we we don't need that god we're 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 capable of all those things on our own so um i did i did have a, a spell with atheism just because that would I, I conflated God and theology and all those theological claims I thought were God and so I was just like well let's just chuck out the baby with the bathwater. Um and then I came across some writers uh you know René Girard, Brian Zond, Michael Harden, um folks like that who I was like wow I haven't thought about this this sort of thing in in you a, know in, a, in this way I haven't heard people talk about non a nonviolent god that seemed absurd in my mind because God was just violent, full stop, end of story, don't ask questions, because yep. the Bible says. Um, and so it was really rocky to come out of that. The Bible says God is violent, blah, 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 all we all the things we say, and then and then just move past that. So that, that was tough for me because atheism, when I when I conclude, I wasn't a strong atheist, but it was almost just as uncomfortable because it was just I didn't want to accept that as as the uh um well there is no God and I was and I but I did conclude it for a second and but my something in my heart or my soul um just wasn't quite like ah yeah that's true. And and so I just kept pushing through. I kept studying. I and then I came across these authors that I mentioned and I was like, okay, maybe maybe God's nonviolent. Maybe the cross should be viewed nonviolently as absurd as that, um, as that sounds initially, because obviously the cross is a very violent act. um, But I heard these atonement theories that were more nonviolent, that were non-sacrificial in the traditional way we think of sacrificing to the gods Mm -hmm. so that they don't smite us. Um, But that's where I almost think if I would have stayed in atheism, I wouldn't have gotten so much pushback. It would have just been like, oh, poor Matt, he's an atheist. (laughs) It was when I, it was when I came back and was like, oh, let me tell you about the gospel or Jesus or non-sacrificial atonement or the reconciliation of all things as the writer of Luke Acts says, well, that's when shit hit the (laughs) fan. You know, it was like, well, now, now you're in, now you're in some muddy water, Matt. Um, I almost feel, and I, I, I don't remember who I was reading, but, uh, Maybe it was Sharon, it was Sharon Baker in, in the documentary Hellbound, and she was talking to one of her students, and the student said, "It's as it, it would have been better if I stayed an atheist than moved on to this different view of God. It would have been easier, um, interpersonally with with the religious folks, with her, with her church, I, I, with her family, and I kind of I kind of get some of that. Like I feel like yeah, that that might have been true." Um it's when it's when we go back and then have something to say about the gospel that uh, or the bible or anything that doesn't line up um with where we came from that's when I feel like that's when you get into some really really uh you have some problems with your with your family, with your friends, with your former church. Yeah. Um so yeah, that that was a very difficult process for me, but you know, you push through and you just feel like well the gospel is the gospel and I'm going to preach the gospel. And if things get a little murky, then that's, yeah. that's what happens. And that's, that's okay. But it takes a while to get through that place where you're not angry and bitter and you're like, okay, it's okay that people aren't with me mm-hmm. here. It's okay that, 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 um, that I'm getting called all the things that I get called for having this different view and and we'll make it through.
1: Yeah, Matt, I just want to say this real quick? Um, that what you just said, it's okay if people aren't with mm-hmm. me. Like that statement, gosh, I really wish I could like shout that from the rooftops because I think people are going through this process. The most painful thing, one of the most painful things to experience is when people you know and love aren't with you anymore. And mm. and that's that's a real, that's that's real. You feel that, but it's okay. I just think, you know, for people who are listening, it's like, it's okay if people aren't with you in this process. It's really okay because you're not alone. That's such a huge point.
2: Yeah, I right? agree. Yeah, and you know, when you were talking, Matt, about how when you kind of kind of spent some time in the wilderness of, of atheism for a while, and then there were certain authors, right, that, and then there was a handful of people like Zohan and Gerard and Hardin and people like that, that helped kind of pull you back. And I, I was thinking, like, you know, it's kind of too bad that, you know, it's a shame that no one could write, like, maybe one book that kind of included, like, you know, maybe each chapter would deal with each of those kind of important things that maybe there'd be one book you could give to somebody who was in a similar place that would really address all of those things instead of having to give them a stack of books, you know? Um, what do you think about that?
0: I think it's a great idea, Keith. You're going to write that somebody book? Somebody
2: should. If, 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 uh, if not, I mean, someone should, but I think maybe you, yeah, you might know about one, a book like that.
0: Yeah. And someone should release it on April Fool's day and <laughs> Easter. That <right>? would be <laughs> genius. yeah. No, you, yeah. You sneaky bastard. So, <laughs> Um. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a book that I did write, which does do that. Uh, attempts to. I hope it does. Um. Yeah, and I called it "Heretic" with an exclamation point. Huh? <laughs> I think that's my that's my favorite soundbite. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Matt, are you making, you're making an announcement right now, right?
0: Yeah, I, I have, yes, I have a book out. It came out uh, two days ago on, on April Fool's Day, not a, not a joke, yep. uh, and Easter. So it came out this Sunday. It's called Heretic, out on Choir Publishing. And yeah, I, I took 10 questions that I think are are on the hearts and minds of any Christians wrestling with their faith and wrestling with doctrine. Um, so, you know, things like atonement and LGBT and, um, universalism and free will and, and the end times, which, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, that's, that just, as you said, in, in one of our previous shows, Keith, that seems to be the money maker. Like everyone wants to talk oh, yeah. about the end that's, that's times. Where the so money is. <laughs> I include, oh. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of money, um because one of one of the one of the folks that I've come across with said something to the effect of I hope you don't get paid for this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ralph Ralph of Choir Publishing and our producer of this show thought it would be a great idea to donate all the proceeds from the first month royalties um to a charity and Keith I appreciate you coming up with the preemptive love coalition because I absolutely love yeah. what they do. So all of the royalties from the month of April, whether it's Kindle, which will be ninety nine cents, so you—I mean, you got a dollar by the book, um, because the money is going to go to the Preemptive Love Coalition, and what they do is they help families uh, in in war torn areas like Syria. Uh, they help those those folks, the the unlovable. You know, that's that's their thing. The the people who aren't going to be loved, we're going to love them, and I just love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so, the, and also the soft cover books, the royalties are going to go, and. Uh, <laughs> Jokingly, I hope I don't sell ten thousand books because I'm going <laughs> to kick myself. <laughs> but that it'd would be, be wonderful. it would be an amazing stoked.
2: blessing for preemptive love coalition. Yes,
0: it would be. Yeah. <laughs> but selfishly, I'd be like, God dang it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, I'm super excited about this book. I, I think it's uh, it's short. It's to the point. It's succinct. And if you don't agree, that's cool. But if you're wrestling with these things and you want to hear a voice. Um, Talk about these ideas, then pick up the book. Uh, I think it's good. I've yeah. heard good feedback. Uh, I got a great initial review from an atheist who actually liked it. So, um, yeah, yeah. I'll say <laughs> I'll say, I'll say cool. I've
2: read it, and it is. I think it's great, and I do recommend people read the book. It's really awesome, I and mean, it is like I think a. It's a great thing to have because you do you do deal with I think all the major uh, objections and themes and questions that people have, and you do in a, in a very artful, you know, intelligent well-written way well thought well thought out way so yeah i would totally recommend the book
1: well thank you and i think people who you know make it a habit to attend church services on sunday morning you know maybe like to get dressed up um like you know people who are just uh, maybe people who've graduated from seminary um people who are really upset with people like rob bell or other folks who are challenging you know uh Conservative thought processes. I think that this will make a good book for them. Maybe a gift, a Christmas present, um, birthday present, something like that for them. What do you think? What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, that's a great, great idea. Yeah, the more <laughs> the more books I can sell, the better.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm just kind of kidding about that. Oh, <laughs> but I, mean, I, mean, I, I say, it's bring it! On. Day gift. It's a great Mother's Day gift. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Grandparents, free grandparents.
0: <laughs> but I, I i will say like i do cuts in it so don't give your kids because that would have you know. yeah
2: it's not uh it's not bedtime story reading for your children yeah no unless you progressive
1: a, does it have an explicit label on the front cover though
0: it does so you know uh, it is what it is
2: yep <laughs> <laughs> people love that people love that especially about even our podcast you know it's one of their favorite things about us that we uh that we do well, some people do anyway but hey I think it's time for us to uh thank you Matt thanks for thanks for being our heretic of the week I think it's time for us to transition to our main topic um for the podcast we're about halfway in here and um so our topic for this podcast that we what we wanted to talk about was this idea of we're kind of playing around with different different ways what what do we call it but it's essentially like um trust versus certainty or the you know embracing mystery versus you know being right and how important it is to be right and that seems to be something I think that I see is a big problem with a lot of uh, Christians that I run into today is that um, they seem so certain of their beliefs. And I think that's part of why they, you know, people like us get a lot of pushback because we're, we're good at poking holes in things or at least asking questions and uh, wanting people to not be so certain about everything, but to say, well, but what about this? And, but what about that? And uh, so there's a tension there, right? Between, um, Faith as being certain of something, or faith as being sort of loosely convinced of something, but leaving room that you could be wrong, right? So, like we hear all the time that the opposite of faith uh, is not doubt; that the opposite of faith is certainty. And I think for me, that's where I I land. Um, so I don't know what you guys think about this topic and how you want to where should we go from here?
0: Well, I yeah, I think that's absolutely that's absolutely true. The opposite of faith is not doubt. Um, so, for instance. I'm certain that two plus two equals four. I need no faith in that. I mean, <laughs> right. you know, so, <laughs> but if we, if we approach our, our faith like an equation or like, we're just certain about it, it leaves no room for growth. It leaves no room for what the spirit is is speaking to you now. Um, It leaves no room. No room for changing something that um you know the the word repent" is metanoia in Greek. It means to change one's mind if you're already certain, how can you change one's mind right yeah, that's right and and <laughs> just looking at my own life, you know I mean I've changed my my mind so many times, and I've met so many Christians who have come from this and that camp and moved to a different one and changed and it's like, well, why do you think you're certain now? You already changed before mm-hmm. um so i yeah, I think i i in in fifty years, if I'm still around. 2 plus 2 I'm still going to be certain is 4. But I I'm what I am certain about of my faith is that I'll probably change. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, and I think uh and I agree with you man. I'm totally there. I mean, I think um in the last you know 10 or 11 years of of my spiritual uh experience, yeah, I I've, I've started to really embrace the fact that I myself am in process with my faith and um and I, you know, I recognize that there are things I believe now that I didn't believe, you know, five, ten years ago. And and then my assumption is, is that um, I hope anyway. Honestly, this is my hope that that I don't get like I don't want the cement to dry on anything. I want to be open to any question or any idea or any thought, not in a sense that, oh, I'm just blown this way and that, and I'm just like willy-nilly, like someone accused us of uh, recently. Uh, like, oh, I just don't know what right. I believe, and no, oh, anything is open, no, oh, that's, so oh, let's just chase this little butterfly for a while. Uh, it's not that, it's it's just recognizing that I can be wrong about something, or maybe everything. And um and like you said earlier, you know, I'm fairly certain of the things I believe, and here's, and here's the deal. If I wasn't, I wouldn't believe them. Like everyone believes what they believe because, oh, I, I think so anyway, maybe maybe that isn't true. But, but I think you should believe what you believe because you have tested it and thought it through and considered it. And, and, and this is key as well. Listen to people who don't agree with you. Read books by people who disagree with you. Listen to podcasts or messages by people who don't necessarily agree with you. Um, and I think that's so important, you know, to recognize that you we all have something to learn and if we do recognize that we're in process then what what it should do is give us grace for other people who are also in process so like if i'm if i'm really comfortable with the fact that my own faith journey has been a process and i'm still going on a journey i'm still on a process then if i encounter somebody who disagrees with me uh and this happens a lot uh and they believe something that i used to believe 5 years ago uh what I should do is have grace for that person and say, yeah, I know exactly why you believe that. I totally, I used to believe the exact same thing. So I should have grace for that person and, 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 you know, love that person for who they are and not judge them for their quote unquote wrong beliefs. It's not a wrong belief. It's just different than mine. Um, and so, you know, if we can maintain that sort of holding loosely to our certainty and holding loosely to our quote unquote beliefs, um, Then it should give us, and I think that's what we're trying to model even in this podcast, is that we don't agree on everything. We're open to having guests on that we don't agree with. We're open to talking and dialoguing with each other on things we don't agree with. Um, But the reason why is that we assume we have things to learn. Uh, More so than I have something to teach you, sit down, shut up, and listen to me, right? Which is taking a much different posture. Mm
0: -hmm, Right, right. And I just think it's beautiful, Keith, that you <laughs> admitted at our live show. You're like, I find
1: myself agreeing more and more with Jamal.
2: <laughs> yeah. What? Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> well. well, well
1: <laughs> I love what you guys are saying. It's, it's awesome. I, I so I agree with everything. I, I kind of want to. Problematize this for a second here, if I could. Hey, that's mine. That's <laughs> mine.
2: <laughs> well, well, let's for those of you playing at home.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's uh let's switch the roles up. You can talk about Mary, and I'll talk about problem problem. Okay, <laughs> well, <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, I all I right. feel like this is an interesting topic because I've I've been thinking about it. Like, um, obviously coming out of a religious context, you know, you know, evangelical Christianity. I mean, it's all about being certain about what you believe and knowing the right information, having the right doctrines and creeds and all that kind of thing so you can be quote-unquote orthodox and not heretical or you know how it's typically used so i i I understand that but so so there's a the pushback against that is like hey well you know if you're if, if you need a certain set of beliefs and uh statements to like hang your entire worldview on, then that's, that's a pretty, that's a shaky, very shallow place. And it's just not honest because again, you can't ask questions because if you ask questions of that, then you're not certain. The reason I think certainty is such a big deal because certainty actually is legitimate in some ways. So, it's, I, I subscribe to, and I've you know, this is again a whole other topic. But I, I'm a firm believer that all human beings have the same essential needs, um, and one of those needs is certainty. All people have to feel certain. If you don't feel certain, then it's really hard to function and live life. Like at, at a very basic primal level, you have to feel certain about something, and this is a human psychological need. It's been demonstrated, documented, proven in many different studies. So, um, I really believe that when People who gravitate towards dogmatic religion are people who tend to have come from, and again, this is a broad, this is a, this is a, you know, kind of a broad brush to paint everybody. So not everybody fits this mold, but a lot of times, and I can speak for myself, when you feel uncertain in life, this is a huge attraction is to get sucked into um, a system of belief that gives you an illusion of certainty. Again, it's an illusion. It's not real, but that's why it's so strong. But my question is, can you, can you? be certain about some things. And and the reason I asked that question, because I do believe it's important to be certain, but if you're basing your certainty on information and doctrine, I don't think you can be certain. But however, one of the things I'm really impressed with Jesus is when I look at Jesus, when I read the gospels and I see him teaching, he's pretty certain. Like he comes across pretty certain. And actually he would teach with authority, and um, a lot of the religious, reader, religious leaders were unnerved by that because he taught with somebody with authority. I, I think even an authority that went beyond their certainty in their doctrinal stances. So because his certainty, I think, was not coming from ideas. It wasn't yeah. coming from theological presuppositions or statements or you know constructs that were crafted together by theologians. I think his certainty was coming from the heart. And so, for example... Um, and I heard I heard a presidential candidate say this during the election, and they they said, "Hey, do you how do you make decisions? Do you use the Bible?" It was they're trying to beat this this candidate? So do you use the Bible to inform your decision making process? And this guy was like, "No," and it was kind of shocking. He's like, "No." He's like, "I respect the Bible. I like to read the Bible." He's like, "But you know, I love my neighbors and I love my family." He's like, "Do I need the did I need the Bible to tell me to love my wife? Like, do I, I really have to like." And so like he was pretty certain in the sense, yeah, I love my my neighbors. I love my wife. I love my family, you know, and I was thinking about that. And it's like, I'm pretty certain. Like one of the things I don't hear Jesus saying is, Hey guys, I think, I think my father is loving. (laughs) I could be wrong about that, but I think he may be loving. Like you don't, Mm -hmm. you don't hear him saying that. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's very certain this is how God is. And it's because he's, it's not coming from a doctrinal place that we're we're so used to in the religious world. And like, I, I feel the same way. Like I'm very certain for me, like for me personally, and again, I'm not like trying to teach this as a doctrine, but I am very certain that the doctrine of eternal conscious torment or annihilationism, this is just my understanding. I am very certain that that's all hogwash because of what I know, but not from a doctrinal place, just because of what I, what I've come to know about this, the understanding of love and the way love is, I'm, I'm fairly certain, very certain that death is not real. Um, I don't need, like, I'm very certain in how I love um, the people that are in my life and my family. And like, I, I understand that at a level of certainty. So that's a question. I I guess that's just something I want to put out there and to say. When can you be certain, and can you be certain when it's coming from the heart versus the mind?
2: Yeah, uh, I was as you were talking about that. I, I had a, uh, a thought. You know, there's the verse that in the Bible that says I can't remember where it's from. I think it's in Timothy or something, but it says uh, faith is the evidence of things not seen. And what I think is interesting about that statement is is that so faith is about things you don't see, right? And and so faith is the evidence of things that you don't see. So so ultimately faith is about evaluating the evidence, which is what we're doing. We're trying to say, okay, well, we have a certain belief based on we had this certain evidence, but now here's here's different evidence. And so let's evaluate this evidence. And then the problem is we get attacked because how dare you bring some new evidence that challenges my conclusion. But see, the faith is not about the conclusion. Faith is about the evaluation of the evidence. And um, so anyway, I just thought that was interesting. I, I think... I think if we can keep it in that place of like, we don't know everything and we are just evaluating what we believe is the best evidence of something. Um, and that's what our faith is built on. But I, I love what you said, Jamal. I want to answer your question. Cause I, I agree with you on that whole thing about cer- what can we be certain about? And I remember um, for those of you playing the, the bingo game at home, this is uh this is going to be a drinker. Uh, take a drink here because I'm going to mention our house church that um we were in our house God. church. About yeah, about uh, I guess about a year or so ago, and one of the young ladies in our group was going through some doubts about her faith and sharing just really very honestly some doubts and and just even asked you know she just asked to the group you know like what is real and what what do I know and what do I believe in and I and all I could really respond in that sense was to say you know I think the only thing I can say for myself with any certainty. Is when it comes to God, that I know that I that I think I know, is that God is good, and He loves me, and beyond that, I don't know that I could say I'm certain about really anything. Uh, But I'm but I I have to hold everything. Like to me, everything starts there. I believe that God is good, and He loves me, and then everything else is uh, evidence (laughs) and discussion. You know.
0: Yeah. Um. To answer your question, Jamal. I think I would problematize your problematization. <laughs>
2: <You're> <laughs> Is that a, a double shot? It's a double shot.
0: Um and 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 maybe differentiate between being convinced and being certain. Um so I can be very convinced that my wife loves me, but I don't I don't know, can you can you be certain about that? There's this Alan Watts quote and I've got I've got it on our notes here, but I'll just read the the the, the second part of it. Um the moment you take a journey, what an act of faith. The moment that you enter into any kind of human undertaking and relationship, what an act of faith. See, you've given yourself up, but this is the most powerful thing that can be done. Surrender. See, and, an act, and love is an act of surrender to another person. Total abandonment. I give myself. Take me. Do anything you like. So, that, so that's quite mad because, you see, it's letting things get out of control, so actually, therefore, the course of wisdom the the course of wisdom, what is really sensible is to let go is to commit one'self to give one'self up, and that's quite mad. So we come to the strange conclusion that in madness lies sanity mm. and And I like that quote because it's almost yeah, it, it seems paradoxical like i I don't know if I can be convinced of love, but i'm I mean certain about love, but I'm very, very convinced about it. Mm -hmm. And in this process of loving, we let go of holding on to things. Mm. Um, and, And so maybe that doesn't answer your question that great because it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to differentiate between certainty and being convinced in my mind. Because if I, yeah, if I am certain about anything, it's that my wife loves me and my daughter loves me and I love them. But I'm not even... I don't know if it's necessarily certainty in, in terms of like some sort of logical conclusion. It's, it's more of yeah. a, of a different kind of knowing. Um, it's, it's experiencing love and and being very, very convinced about that as a real experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I think it's a different kind of knowing. I love how you, you said that. And I would like, it's not a knowing that comes from a propositional or a logical, you know, construct. Right, it's, right. it's a knowing from a, a whole different place. Like for example, I, I remember um, I was at a book signing by William Paul Young, the author of The Shack one time. And basically, XC. yeah, and basically he was talking about this guy <laughs> who came to his book signing. And he was like, and he, what he was saying was, uh, he said, you know, uh, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in. I don't have faith in in your God. I don't believe in your the gospel that you present uh, in the book. He said, but I just want just from a literary standpoint, I thought what you wrote was very well written. It was captivating. Like, it's the first Christian book I've I've read um, in that sense. And I just he's like I really really enjoyed it, and just wanted to let you know. And I felt like I needed to come to this this book signing and just let you know how how good of a writer you are and how and just well done. That's great work and he said, Oh, that's great. You know, I'm glad you came and thanks for letting me know. He's like, but um, yeah, I'm just curious about like what you believe in. And he's like, well, I'm not, I'm an atheist. So I don't have a faith. I don't believe, you know, um, in God and that kind of thing. He's just like, I, I understand that. He said, but what, what are you, what do you know? Like, what is it that you have absolute confidence in and faith in? And this guy was like, nothing. Like I'm an atheist. I told you I'm an atheist. He's like, no, 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 no. everybody believes in something. He's like, you're, you're, you're defining, you're telling me what you don't, know or don't believe in. He's like, I'm just curious about what you actually really are confident in. Like, what do you know? And this guy was like, well, I can tell you that I, I, I'll tell you what I believe in. He goes, I, I believe in, I'm very confident in the way I love my children. And so he's like, well, describe that to me. And he's like, well, it feels to me, it feels like something that is all consuming. And it, um, it's something that I would lay lay my life down for. Like I would, I would take a bullet for these, for my kids. Like I wouldn't think twice about it. He said, where do you feel it? He's like, in the depth, the core of my being, like in my cheek, I pointed to his chest. He's like, it's in the core of my being. He's like, so wait a minute, let me get this straight. You, you have, like, you believe in this all consuming love and it, it, and you feel it coming from the, like, like emanating from the depths of your being. And it's self-sacrificial. Like you would, you would lay down your life for them. And it's, and you carry that within your own being. He's like, absolutely. He's like, you feel very confident in that. He's like, absolutely. Absolutely and he's like i don't think we're that different <laughs> cuz <'Cause> I, <laughs> I i have the same thing too i just may use different terminology to describe that love but um but the, yeah the, the like so it's just interesting that this atheist who could not have faith in god because it was coming from a maybe some doctrinal or some theological proposition place when he was able to 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 really be rooted in his being he could be very certain without even like, it was like a no-brainer. It was like, yeah, I can be certain. So, I feel like coming back to love is like, that's where you – that's where the knowing and the authority can be very di- – it's a certainty, but it's not a dogmatic doctrinal certainty.
2: Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: No, I, I, I agree with that. I think it's important to clarify those those differences. Like, are we – are we certain about God or are we certain about theology? Because the two are different. Our doctrines are never God. And if right. we're certain in what we believe about God, then it leaves, no faith to ha- it leaves no room to have faith in God.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And we've, you know, gosh, we've, we have touched on this, these kinds of themes over the course of this podcast. You know, like the idea that my beliefs are not me. I am not my beliefs. Like, that, first of all, that's a separate thing. My, my, what I believe is not who I am. Um and so therefore right. you can attack my belief or you question my belief you should be able to and that shouldn't offend me or make me angry because that's you're not attacking me you're attacking an idea or a thought that i happen to have but it's also like you said my beliefs and my doctrines and my theology which is just a bigger word for my belief uh mm-hmm. it, not only is that not me that's not god either that's my ideas right. about god which can be wrong you know and i i wanted to say something about even The beauty of mystery, like so, you know, we've talked a lot about certainty and knowing and all that stuff. But see, I, I think there is so much beauty in embracing what we don't know, embracing the fact that God is bigger and wider and longer and deeper and better and uh, and more amazing than we could possibly imagine. Like I love the mystery of God. Now, under, but I also understand I've encountered Christians that that scares the crap out of them. The idea that there's so much about God they don't know, like that mystery that, so in other words, like I take comfort in that I don't, in all that I don't know about God, but for some people, Mm. they take comfort in what they think they do know about God, right, which is why they get upset if you start poking it, But, but I'm the opposite, I like, I think it's amazing that when I start thinking about the fact that there is more of God to know than I know. Like, way more. Like, if I just think, about what right. what is it even I think I know about God? Like, I, I could just make a list, right? Make a little bullet list of it. And I look at that list of things I think I know about God. Even things like, I'll just go in and say I'm certain, even if I'm not. Okay, yeah, it's just maybe 10, 20 things. You know, how long can that list be? And then realize that, you know what, though? There's a list, a hundred thousand million, you know, miles high of things that about God I do not know. Um, and, and, and i to me i take comfort in that i think it's awesome i i think i would rather spend time pondering the mystery of god because again any god any god that you can understand that you can wrap your brain around i would submit that's not god that's not the god of the universe it's not he's not a god that you can completely fully comprehend and so yeah i i love mystery i think it's wonderful i think it, to me it's good news that there's mystery right.
0: Yeah, I agree, and and it's Brad Jerzak that points out, like in Ephesians three, like the love of God is always wider and broader. So there's always going to be a bit of mystery, isn't yep. there? Like we think we have got God's love wrapped up, and it's like, oh, but there's still you're still not quite there because it's always wider and always broader and always higher and deeper than 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 you think yep. it is. Um, and another thing that I was thinking about when you were set, when you when you were um, when you were talking, Keith, is I always find it fascinating and interesting and ironic that many, many folks w- would say, well, you're just not understanding God because God's ways are higher than our ways. And then they'll tell you exactly what God is like. <laughs> and I always thought that's really funny. Well, God's ways are higher, and let me tell you what right. it is. <laughs> it's like, what?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, even, that's, even that phrase, you know, like when they, people quote that, it, it's always in the, at least to me, this is how uh, 90% of the time, if, a, if another Christian tells me, Keith, you don't understand something, God's ways are higher than our ways, it's usually to justify their view that God is violent. Right. But but if you go and read the verses that were that we're, were references that, God is saying my ways are higher than yours in the sense of I am more merciful than you think I am. I am more merciful. Vers- exactly. <laughs> I'm more loving and patient than you think I am. Yes. My ways are not like your ways because your ways are impatient and violent, and my ways yeah. are not that. It's I am better than you think I am, right?
0: Uh, right
2: and <laughs> that, that i would say i agree with that verse i don't agree with your misapplication of that verse
0: <laughs> exactly
1: <laughs> yeah and i think i think it comes down to what you're identifying with as self so for example when we say god's ways are higher than our ways i i i um i think that's a, a contrast between when we say our ways and then god's ways as if there's a distinction there. It's it's talking, I I think it's about the ego self or the construct of our mind. So for example, when Paul says, you know, okay, this is my prayer for you guys when in his letter. And I think it's in Ephesians when he says, you know, that you may know the depths and the breadth and the height and the width of this love. And so like, how would you know the depths and the breadth and the width and the height? It, like it surpasses all, like this love that surpasses all knowledge. Like, how would you know that it's because there's really two like two parts of you that are experiencing this there's the there's the mind part that goes okay this is beyond my mind we we do it all the time when we go that blows my mind like that just goes beyond my mind right. because what so who's who's the one saying that you know what I mean? Like like it's not your mind that's saying that. It's another part of you that's going this goes beyond and you're experiencing it, you're feeling it. It's the truest essence of you. And you're going, "Whoa, this is or when we read the scripture and God says, "My ways are higher than your ways," we go, "Yeah, oh my gosh, that is." But we're also agreeing with that. So there's a part of us that actually is in congruency and on the same page with God's ways. And th- that's where the distinction between God and self gets, gets blurred, which I think it should, because when we're operating from our true self, that's the divine self that is in total flow and congruency and not in conflict with, with the divine. And so that's where this true certainty, a healthy certainty can come from, which I really see Jesus operating from. And again, my belief is that we are all like Jesus in that sense, that when we stop Identification, there's there's an over identification with the mind, with the self, and that mind is like that's where we get into problems because the true essence, like the mind, is a useful tool, but it's not who we are. Like who we truly are is who we are at our essence, and I think that's such an important distinction to make.
2: Yeah.
0: Can I? Can I? um, What you said reminds me of a John Calvin quote. Can I quote Calvin on this show? Gosh. (laughs) Um, No, but it's it's a good quote. It's uh, a great quote. Listen. All right. Our wisdom insofar as it ought to be deemed true and solid wisdom consists of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. But as these are connected together by many ties, it is not easy to determine which of the two precedes mm. and give birth to the other. Yeah. I just, I just like that quote and I like the irony of it because I'm not a Calvinist, but mm. I just think like, yeah, this, this whole, this, this whole business of knowing God and knowing ourselves, like how can we, how can we distinguish between the two fully? Because mm. it really becomes mm-hmm. blurred.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, well, this has been a good one, guys. Um, I I think uh, this has been a really good, solid conversation, and hopefully, you know, it's gotten some people thinking along these lines, and hopefully, challenging some some of their preconceptions as well. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have any last thoughts about it?
0: No, I'm certain that this was a good. I am certain. I'm pretty.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's no doubt in my mind.
0: And and I'm certain that you guys should go buy my book. I'm certain about that. Yeah. Which you can get
2: on Amazon or
0: wherever
1: books are sold.
0: Yeah, and it's we- only it's only ninety nine cents, people. Come on.
1: <laughs> yes, and there's a hotline too. So don't forget that we have a hotline. That's right. Does anyone have the number? I'm, I'm not certain of it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I have I have faith that it's two four zero three heresy or two four zero three four three seven three seven nine it could be wrong i'm fairly certain though